Gamer Duffy is in the house, baby. What's going on? Ear. What it do? What it do? Midway through February, and Valentine's Day is this weekend. Uh, any plans in the ch- in the chat? Any plans with you guys? Bro, I don't. <laughs> okay, look. What now? I love my woman. Okay. 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 But at the same time, Uh-oh. why can't we just have instead of Valentine's Day a second Halloween? I think that would just be a much more productive use of our time. The you world is I mean? spooky enough that at this point, might as well, right? It, no, it's not. It's that's the problem. It's not <laughs> spooky enough, Ed. That's the whole damn problem. I look. I was born in 1993. You know, it came out in 1993. What? Nightmare Before Christmas. So I'm Ooh. obliged. Okay, I'm obliged to be the spookiest man I can possibly be. All right. Do you watch that movie on Halloween and Christmas? Every year. Hell yeah. We'll talk about more. With Great that. movie, dude. Oh, hell yeah. 100%. Uh, your boy Ed is in the house, of course. AJ's also in the house. Yo. There he is. <laughs> nice and reserved. So weak, bro. What is this? Where's my Yo. fucking energy? Hello? Where's my what it do? <laughs> Yo, listen. I'm trying to be smooth and seductive. Bro, oh, we all know that you collect Pokemon cards. Relax, <laughs> okay? Hey, yo, yo. Speaking of Pokemon cards, you know, what? I'll, I'll save that for a little. We'll get bit to later, that in a second. I, you know. uh, also, we got Seth in the house. I hate video games. Bam! Listen to that. Bro, oh no, <laughs> he's gone to the dark side. And of course, Marcus Rumble, is in Rumble. the house. Yeah, it's me. I'm the fridge. Hello, hello, everybody. Uh, let's start things how we normally do. Uh, AJ, what you've been playing, and has any of it been your four and feb? Okay, so I beat my first 4 in Feb game, uh, Concrete Genie. Nice. Uh, that was not one that I initially picked, but it came up on my PlayStation Plus. I was like, oh, this looks kind of cool. Let me give it a shot. And it's it's such a nice little ditty. It's such a nice little ditty. And I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, and then I was like, you know what? There's not too much more I have to do to get the plat, right? Um, oh, God. Because it's, like, it's a collectible thing. So it's like, okay, I have to collect, like, 30 more things that that's pretty straightforward uh, most of which are listed on the map easy peasy uh but i got stuck on this one thing because i didn't realize just how absolutely shit the genie ai is at times <laughs> uh because like what you do uh you create these drawings on the walls and some of them are monsters and they come to life and they help you out and you can press l1 to wave your little wand and they come to where you're at to help you solve certain puzzles so I'm like waving my wand for the genies to come to me so that way I can unlock this thing and get this other collectible. Um, but the AI is dumb and it's like on the opposite side of the wall and I can't get it to come on the right side of the wall. And this is the oh last God. thing I fucking need for that platinum and I'm frustrated. Wow. Um, Bro, are but you, aside are from you, that, it's I a great game. I can hear the re. I can hear the reing. I can hear it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just like it's like so easy. I know exactly what I gotta do. It should be working, but it's not. Um, don't let that deter you from playing the game, especially if you have PlayStation Plus. It's free. It's a great game. I just think I got like glitched out of this one thing, and it's frustrating to have that at the very end. But I digress. Let me ask you um, an interesting question. I don't know if you've played it or not. Uh, who's more frustrating in terms of companion AI? This thing or um, the? Uh, animal you control the with in the guardian. last guardian yeah i was yeah. that's what I was, what I was going at um you see i haven't played the last guardian so i can't really give a concrete uh, opinion Bro, on that i wa- i i watched someone play that game and i was like oh i could never control this i could never play this game i know i can't Bro, I, I looked at the i looked at the thing he was like iku iku like let's go we're out of here and 
it, it just it would just stand there and look dumb at him. And I'm like, okay, so this is like Hey You Pikachu, except way fucking worse. Like, Hey You Pikachu, at least like sometimes Pikachu would listen, but this thing just didn't. So like, what the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> and, I, and, and that's the thing when you play with games where um, a core part of the experience is a character you don't control. Like, you know, if they don't listen to you or they don't act, uh, act in a realistic way, it can lead to some frustration. Now, to be fair with Concrete Genie, uh, this is the only time in the entire game where it gave me this frustrating, like, situation. Uh, sometimes I have to finesse it a little bit, but it is what it is. It's nothing too bad. But um, it sounds like, based on what you said with The Last Guardian, like, that's just, like, frustrating the entire time. Uh, yeah, this is not apparently so. <laughs> yeah, and I... I... There are other games that do the AI companion very well. Like, specifically, God of War comes to mind. Uh, Resident Evil 4 uh, had that AI companion with What's-Her-Face. Um, but, like, you know, you didn't really have to rely on her for too, too much outside of a few select puzzles. Um, and, of course, but, you had The Last of Us and Bioshock Infinite in 2013. Oh, That was yeah. the whole thing about, like, oh, side characters are actually, you know, worthy of being in the game instead of, like, being a hindrance and stuff like that. But if it's not done well, it... it it's not great. And uh, like I said, and I can't stress this enough, Concrete Genie, great game. Uh, it's just this one specific part that's glitching me out that's fucking frustrating. Uh, I still recommend playing it. But if you get the plat, um, when you get to the electrical plant, try to get that one collectible sooner rather than later. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> nice. Uh, Seth, what have you been playing this week? Yeah, that I'm playing Sekiro. <laughs> Oh, hell yeah. Nice. Which I'm replaying, so I had to start from the beginning, but that's okay. It's been a long time since I picked up Sekiro, so I was a little lost. Um, and I've been playing uh, Apex Legends. No surprise to anybody there. Uh, I I enjoy that game, and I'm having a lot of fun with it. So, Have you played the yeah, new hero that, yet? Uh, yes. Fuse is pretty cool. He doesn't really fit in the meta, which is unfortunate uh, for you know the character that came out with the season. But... He is a cool character, so like, he's fun. Well, to at least play. there's that. He's just he's straight hard countered by another character who's popular right now. So, yeah. That's oh, nice. so rip. Yeah, he's he's just hard countered by like one guy, but otherwise it's it's a good time. So hey, it, it's fun. New season's cool. New maps cool. Playing it with the homies, you know. Also, what what is it like reliving Sekiro right now? Since you are doing a second playthrough of that, um... I'm a freaking ninja. <laughs> there you go, love it. The most powerful ninja man. He's a shinobi. Uh, bro, I I I have to play that game. I'm gonna be the fucking Hokage, bro. Bro, are you you already are the Hokage <laughs> essentially, bro? You already throw fire. You literally throw fire. Like bro, you are the Hokage. I'm the like, Hokage. Yeah, that's the whole, like, I fucking love it, dude. I, that's, and Ghost Tsushima. Those are two games that I really want to play, but I just don't have the funds yet. I'm still, bro, I'm still trying to get a better fucking mic so I, when I go to, like, freak out, I don't click the goddamn mic! (laughs) Sorry. First world problem. I'm just angry about it. I hear (laughs) you. Marcus, uh, this week in Destiny. What's, what's it, what's going on this week? Uh, the, the new season finally dropped. Nice. And, um, so far, so far, so good. You know what I mean? It's there's a lot of loot to chase this season. People are excited about it. I'm not saying it's the best game in the world. I'm saying I'm addicted, and I wouldn't suggest you play it if you haven't been playing it for the past two years. So like, again, you know, just normal Destiny shit. It's a fun game. I like shooting aliens. I like playing Halo when I was a kid. 
Yeah. It, it scratches all the right itches. You know what I mean? So I'm having a good time. That's all that really matters. Yo, wait, but, that, that, that reminds me, uh, not to cut into your time, Marcus. Did you guys hear about the new Halo 3 map they just added after like 10 years? No. What? They added a new Halo map? To what? The yeah, the Halo 3. They added like a new map or something. Let me see if I can find the article. <laughs> what? Who's, who's updating joking? Halo 3 right no, now? No, they, they just. They just said, okay, yo, what if no, they a new Halo 3 map? Up. Wait, Halo. Halo. Fuck around Halo and get a new Halo 3. map, boys. Right? Like, what the fuck? New map. Oh my god. As I fucking Pepe get fucking type. Yeah, like uh Halo is getting Halo 3 is getting this new map from the canceled Halo online game. Well shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I bro, I think that's that cool as literally, shit. bro, that literally was posted today at fucking like three like three hours bro, just got posted. Like literally just got posted. Like less than fucking 30 minutes ago. <laughs> well shit. This literally just happened. Breaking fucking news. Coming to you from Gamer Fucking Delphia. You're getting a new Halo 3 map, boys. Like, what the it. fuck, Kenny? Good job. Yeah, man. Investigative <laughs> journalism at its finest. I Thank saw that. I was like, hey, yo, like, that's fresh as fuck. Um, granted, I was mostly a Halo 1 and 2 kind of fella. Uh, kind of fell off after that. Nothing against ODST, which was also great. I played that at my friend's house. But, um, you know, Halo 3 out here was great. So, like, the fact that they're getting another map for the... Uh, uh, mm-hmm. What it's was the it? One the that, Master it's, Chief it's the Collection? One that everyone, yeah, it's the one that everyone loves for PvP. You know what I mean? The PvP yeah. is really good in Halo 3. Yeah, it's always So everyone's been like, ooh, I get solid. my good PvP? Ooh, ooh, yeah, baby. Exactly. Because, you know. For PvP, I love it. Hell yeah. Destiny's Destiny's not doing so good in the PvP department right now. So yeah. Halo can totally fill that gap. <laughs> because it's made by the same fucking developer. <laughs> like, it, it is. It, 100% so all the original it's, assets it's, are. It's the same game. It's the, one of the same game mechanics, but like. The gunplay is still smooth. Like mm-hmm. I played it a little bit. It's still like the game is still good. Play, I, I would suggest playing it with the controller because that's how the game was built. But <laughs> Halo it's, Three it's, plays it's still great good. with a mouse, you heathen. <laughs> Bro, okay, that's fair. That's your that you can have that opinion. I don't have I don't have a problem with you having that opinion. Controller using heathen. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Bro, I hear again. Okay, I hear the read. Race. I, I hear it. it. <laughs> it's trying to go. <laughs> oh, bro. Dude, I'm crying. <laughs> Yo, hold my on. My man said, Yo, true bro, fucking up. Yo, True Blade, in, before, I move, before we move on, True Blade in our chat just said, like, what the hell? They ruined they ruined the PvP in Destiny 2 again? Bro, bro they, yeah. They ruined so, it, like, every patch. Yeah, right? That's what Well, okay, so the, the real problem is, I'll tell you what the real problem is, and we'll do it real quick, because it's, it's a real simple problem. All right. There's a new subclass in the game. You get to use darkness abilities now, and this is something we have been wanting since Destiny 1, you know what I mean? You're using darkness-based abilities, and we finally got it. The problem is these darkness-based abilities freeze you in place or freeze enemies in place. And in PvP, you can see how that could be a problem when the game is about movement and gunfighting and strafing, and someone just freezes you in place and can dome you. So... The PvP's not having a good time right now. <laughs> Sounds like it. Everyone's very upset. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hell yeah. Based off what you're saying. Oh, God. Like, yeah, if you're, everyone's you're... upset for sure. And, oh, and I get man. it because I'm not having fun in PvP either. So, like, I get it. <laughs> yeah. So, this week so this week for me, I find... So, since Seth was the one who talked about a, uh, a Souls-like game... Uh, for me, I finally beat my first of my four in Feb this uh, month, and that's uh, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. 
finally ew. got that got one game out. Don't say of ew. Way. Yeah, whoa. I said hey <laughs> Oh, you did say. Oh, I thought you said ew. Um, my bad. I I, I <laughs> but, apologize no, for that so, one. I assumed. <laughs> so, um, interesting point about Star Wars. So, amazing game, hundred percent. Is hard as shit, especially if you're doing it on like any of the higher difficulties. It is really really hard because of the time. Like, I'm not used to Souls like games. Uh, at all so this is my first souls like experience um in terms of like i'm not used to being good <laughs> but you know I'm i can't talk shit i'm the same attempt. way <laughs> but i will i will say this though like the the actual quality of the game is top notch the world is amazing the characters are awesome every like literally a couple weeks ago we had a whole ass debate about star wars movies and how i hated the fucking sequel trilogy and solo to an extent this feels like an actual star wars movie and that i was able to interact with and i'm like man why didn't i just play this instead of watching the sequel trilogy because fuck that like it, it was awesome like especially with the ties to all the other characters that you saw um in star wars lore whether it be obi-wan or um Oh, there was a bigger one that I saw. Like I think Maul was referenced as well. Saw Guerrero was referenced, uh, and also part of the game, still voiced by Forrest Whitaker, which is double awesome as well. So I want to throw that out there. And uh, okay, so at least, bro, at least there's. It, uh, so I haven't played the game, right? Because I just couldn't get over the. I have a deep hatred for Ubisoft, um, or and EA in general, and yeah. the, like the game was buggy, and I, look, I just wasn't happy. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the fact that there's a whole bunch of shit in there yeah. that is like actually good and like actually canon, and mm-hmm. there's characters that we know and love that aren't like you know just thrown in the trash or treated badly. That's that's nice to hear. So the one, so I will say this. Um, e- yes, it, it was published by EA, uh, and we know how we feel about EA. But the developers yeah. of the game are Respawn Entertainment, and what do we know Respawn for? Titanfall well, I mean, and like, Apex. Titanfall and, and and another. Those are again Apex. It, I I concede is good is good game, but mm-hmm. I don't play battle royales and I never played Titanfall. I played a so little I bit. So I never of Titan- got the chance like, to Titanfall really Titanfall dig is, into that one. Titanfall is the last generation's most underrated shooter. Like it's one of those games where you hear people talk about it in passing, like oh it's good, but I didn't play a lot of it. Um, it had a really decent FPS story mode. Um, the multiplayer uh, kind of branched off of the Titanfall multiplayer that was established in the early days of the Xbox One because the first game was an Xbox exclusive. But the second one ramped it up with an actual story that was amazing. Multiplayer was still really tight. And then, of course, they branched off that multiplayer style into Apex. Um, so this was their first chance to do like a single player game and with a big license like Star Wars behind it. So not a, a lot of pressure for Respawn. And they knocked it out of the park. It was a, I can see why. It was a game of the year contender in when it came out in 2019. It's absolutely uh, worthy of that spot, 100%. So anybody well, out at there? At least the game is good besides the bugs, which, I mean, that's fair. Mm. Like, the story is good, and it's there. So good on them. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> Lucasfilm oh, yeah. did a thing. Yeah, 100%. Now let's just hope this next game isn't boring as hell, and uh, hope that it's an actual good RPG. We'll Let's see just hope for that. Yeah, we'll <laughs> see what happens with that. I am really curious to see what you know what is going to come out of these Star Wars projects for sure. Like in terms of uh, you know what the next steps are going to be. So I'm glad. Mm, excuse me. I'm glad that this was a good basis and definitely a recovery from what Star Wars Battlefront Two 
and what the Battlefront games were because those were like Star Wars Battlefront 2 wasn't bad, but there was just not a lot of meat on that in that game outside of like, you know, single player was okay for a first person, you know, first person shooter game. And the multiplayer was, you know, it was decent enough to do the job. It, you know, it did really well. But of course, like a lot of that was like gotcha gimmicks with the multiplayer, which they had to tone down to kind of like actually make it on par uh, for the player base who didn't want to afford microtransactions. So there was that. So they fixed a lot of that. So this this game is the Star Wars makeup uh, for some of the previous games that had come out that weren't that great. Or even the canceled projects um, that were supposed to be made um, that didn't never uh, came to fruition either. So this is an absolute make do. Um, definitely check that game out. I know this week in terms of like new games that came out, I need to get started on Super Mario 3D World because that's one of my games this month. So uh, I just bought that. Um, so that's next on the docket for me. I hope to get it done. I probably, I'm not going to try to go for all the collectibles because I am not that guy for, in terms of a four in February, maybe post, but we'll see. But I was getting ready to say, you saying you're not a collectibles guy, Ed, why you capping, bro? <laughs> no, <laughs> I no. remember for that big-ass no, 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 no. bro, I wanted to tape that shit from you. You heard uh, me? <laughs> so for four in February, I'm not going to go 100% like I do with all my other platformers. Once March hits, then I'll start doing that. Um, but let's get into some of the things that happened this week uh, specifically. Um, so the first thing that really came to mind in terms of stuff that was really, really big in terms of the gaming news is our good old punching bag uh, CD Projekt Red. And I say that because literally I felt like after they did that whole video where they basically said, here's how we fucked up the game. I was like, okay, it was a good enough apology in theory, but they just need to fix the game and shut the hell up, which they kind of did. They were really, really quiet, but that didn't stop other gamers uh, to do a ransomware attack, unfortunately, against CD Projekt Red, which is, you know, definitely not something you want to, you know, joke about. To uh, to give you a gist of the situation, um, a uh, cyber attack from e somebody we don't know the exact, you know, the who or the where it came from. Uh, basically, you know, hacked into uh, CDPR's uh, databases and basically took all of the important data, specifically. The source code of Cyberpunk, they have the source code for an unreleased version of Witcher 3, and other possible uh, private documents, which is definitely one of the more scummier moves um, in this whole thing. Um, and basically, the idea was, hey, listen, pay us this money, or we will you know, sell your stuff on the dark web. So over the next couple of days, we had no information in terms of what was going to happen next in regards to that. But then we find out that once that happened uh, a couple days ago, the dark web, this I guess this section, the sector of the dark web, to, who uh, auctions off this like illegal data, somebody, one person, paid seven million dollars for all of this data and content. Um, and I don't know what's going to happen next. I think that's the thing that I'm more curious about, and I wanted to kind of throw to you guys out there. 100% True Blade, none of the employees. Um, it goes back to, you know, people are getting at CDPR um, that aren't leadership are getting fucked over big time. It's a. It's, yeah, no, like it's they, they, they stole up. like a bunch of stuff. They stole people's work, they stole people's personal information. Like th that, that leak is really bad. But on the other side of that situation, how 
in the world were like mm-hmm. how how was it that easy for them to do that? Because like maybe it wasn't easy, but I feel like as as a country we don't take cybersecurity very seriously, mm-hmm. and like and as as a for some reason it's like the gaming industry keeps getting hit after hit after hit. You remember the stuff that happened in the beginning, uh, not in the beginning, but with uh with E three all the all the. Oh yeah, the ESA leak. all those journalists yeah, got leaked. Exactly. You know yeah. what I mean? So like what aren't don't these people work with computers at least on the daily? Like why are we in a space or why are they working in a space where they're so easily hackable? Okay, like, so like why why are why is there not more security? Why do they not try to like reinforce their systems if they know attacks like this are going to happen? Or are you need to remember you need to remember that not everybody that works on video games is a like cybersecurity expert. So like, well, yeah, that's all. That's very true. Artists, but like, so they they have hundreds of just artists that just make models all day. That's what they do. Then they have people that make textures and they just make textures and they have writers. Yeah, but you're, you're literally telling me that they don't have a cybersecurity guy. Like, come on, they're a company. They, of course, they, they have might, a cybersecurity guy. They, they might have, have to. A Why would they not? Guy, but that's a lot for one guy to manage. I'm just saying it. It's a lot. It's more than you think. It's not like there's one cybersecurity guy to every one worker in the company. So it's easy for stuff like this to sneak through. Now, obviously, if they sent the malware they used to get on these systems to the cybersecurity guy, they're probably like, oh, that's malware. But if you just send it to one of the, you know, let's say one of the writers, it's like they might open that email and run it on a work computer and not realize what they did. They might not know. You can't blame them. They, they, it's not what they went to school for. They went to school for modeling. <laughs> it's like you get you get an email and it's like an invitation to a meeting. You click it, it looks legit at a glance, and you're like, "Oh, that's weird. The link's not working." You know, like, "Oh, do uh, can you send me uh, the link to the meeting?" It's like, "Oh, we don't have a meeting today." Little do you know, it's a fucking Trojan horse. Yeah, a, <laughs> you know what I mean. I just like it doesn't take a whole base. lot. They could, like they I, I'm not going to go into detail, but. At Verizon, we have uh, a work email and things like that. Once again, not going into detail. Uh, but we have specific training on what to look out for when it comes to cybersecurity attacks and things like that. What emails like we should look out for, what looks looks legit, what to look for in a legit email. Never click a link if you're not 100% sure, that type of thing. Um, well, like, again, bro... We're in 2020 fucking one, it, dude. It, 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 it just takes one dude. It just takes one dude. Um, bro, granted, we're in 2021, bro. We've had computers for fucking uh, uh, 200 years, it feels like, at this point, bro. <laughs> like, one of the first things you learned when we first got computers is don't click a link you don't know about. Like, what? <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> Look, yeah, I, but, like, they, they, they get crafty. They get crafty. They now, know what the typical work email looks like, and they do one thing or another. You know what I mean? Or they like um, hack into like an employee's personal email, and then they use the same password for their work email. Uh, you know what I mean? Like that type of oh, shit. Lord. It's hard. It just to takes say, one yeah, bad now, person you know and then fair. opens up. There are up. people that do that. Now, well, hold so on. There, there are legitimately. I know there are legitimately high up people that have their password as password. I know that exists. Yo, I'm, look I'm no at the fool. fucking ex president. Like, wasn't Yo. his password like MAGA twenty twenty or something like that? Okay, so I'm and I can confirm. I can't say who or, or like name any names, but I I've worked with a lot of old people, and a lot of the times their passwords are just like their name and some numbers, or like their street name and some numbers, 
or like sometimes it's literally like Comcast one two three. Like, bro, bro, bro. <laughs> you can get on that account and spend your money. <laughs> bro, no way. Change your password. Make it make it like something a little bit random. Like, but the thing is. The same people are the ones that get frustrated. Oh, I have to keep changing it. That's because you made it, Comcast one two three, bro. You can't do that. You need <laughs> yeah, no. Make it no. like Canada one two three. Anything else? Yo, Seth, I, I will fucking fight you. <laughs> Canada, oh my God. bro. You know what? I didn't put two and two together until you said <laughs> some shit, and now that's just funny as hell. <laughs> It ain't funny. I didn't know he was talking about you, bro. <laughs> yeah. It ain't funny. Fucking hilarious. And you know, it uh, sounds like everybody laughing, so. Oh, no. <laughs> you gotta, now, if I remember correctly, uh, so all the stuff that we were talking about is how ransomware would have happened. It would have happened through, like, an email and a link that would have caused it, right? Or was it well, just, yeah, like, a direct Well, yeah, that's attack? the only way it could have happened. Okay. I, I can't see, like, someone, like, hacking the mainframe, like, even though that's not real. But, like, you know what I mean? Like, actually getting, that's the only way it could have happened. They had to have sent an phishing email. That's okay. I, I feel like that's the it's only way it could have possibly happened. Somebody definitely opened something they shouldn't have. But like I said, you can't expect. I'm gonna move my mic because I'm walking around the room. You can't expect, you know, everybody to understand that that's a bad thing. Now they should have probably told him like, "Hey, don't open any suspicious emails." But some of these look really legit, and you kind of have to know how to spot them. So like probably a graphics designer or a, a, one of the model artists or one of the writers opened something, didn't realize, you know, oh, now it's on the network. And it happens. This happens every day at major companies, dude. The, I, I don't like to talk you know, about I, some, bro, Sometimes show. I forget, dude. I, not to cut you off, my bad. But sometimes I forget that like some of these people are like actually like borderline Gen X. And some of them really actually don't know well, dude, what that shit looks like. Well, dude, the government website got hacked like – three weeks ago when Trump lost the election or not three weeks ago, it was longer than that Trump lost the election and they just changed it to like Joe Biden before he wanted it to be like it, it the government gets hacked this happens all the fucking time now it's bad it's bad that, that they're gonna leak that data or they already sold it reportedly but I mean what can you do it happens every day we're just on they only did it because they wanted publicity because it's CD Projekt Red and everyone's hating on them right now yeah, that that's that feels like that feels like exactly what happened, honestly. Now, what I'm curious about, though, Seth, I'm here. I'm gonna ask you this question. I'm curious now that the now that we had this auction occur, data got sold, paid a ton of money for it. What do you think is gonna happen with that data? Like in terms, of, what do you think is gonna come out of this uh, this source code dump? Oh, I have no fucking idea. Sometimes nothing happens. Sometimes like the Equifax leak happens and a bunch of people's social security numbers get leaked. I could not tell you what's going to happen. Bro, what if, what if we get it, no pixel but good. Witcher? What, what if we get no pixel but Witcher 3? What What if? What if? Like, I, I would be okay with that one, honestly. <laughs> like, if that's what this leads to and it's not, like, actually horrible, if they use that source code and be like, okay, so here's no pixel, but it's Witcher 3 flavored, I'd be, I'd be like... I don't know if I can be mad at that person. <laughs> I, I'm not going to lie. Well, I mean, like, they also got things like, you know, financial information. Yeah, that's and bad. Source we code and that's, that's things bad. like that. That's hard. Like, yeah. so, like here's the thing. I'm, I'm not a fan Witcher of Witcher 3, hackers. no pixel, though. <laughs> no pixel. I, like, I, I'm not a fan of hackers, obviously. I'm not condoning it. Yeah. But it's, 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 it's fascinating because, like, you know, 
on one hand, we're like, oh, man, how could they do this? This is wrong. That's fucked up. X, Y, and Z. Uh, but when it comes to someone leaking, like, Nintendo source code information so that we see undeveloped Pokemon from, like, like the early 2000s or 1990s, we're like, oh, that's a cool part. <laughs> so it's sort of like we have a little bit of a double standard as long as it doesn't negatively impact people right now. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. Seth, you were about you, what was the thing you were going to mention in terms of like what could happen? And I'll let you finish that point and then we'll move on. Oh, like, like I said, I really don't know what can happen. So many things could happen, but like in when the Equifax leak happened, a bunch of people's credit card information got compromised. I don't know what um, or social security numbers got compromised. Right. I don't know what was in this leak, so I couldn't tell you what happened. I know there was source code and stuff. It really comes down to like what the personal information was and what the people who have it want to do with it, man. They could have been, like, for all we know, CD Projekt Red could have bought it and just didn't want to own up to working with terrorists. I don't know. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, no! admit it. Bro, I mean, honestly, honestly, you really don't ever know. And it makes me sad that that's the reality. Yeah, that's the whole. that's going to be the whole thing about it. Like, you just don't know what, you know, what this group's intention was, you know, or what the intention was to sell the data outside of making money. Or what the intention was of the person who bought it. It's a, yeah. It's an interesting situ. It's going to be an interesting situation, one way or the other, and something that you know keep your eyes out for because you never know what you know what this could you know come out to. Whether it be the hacker you know wanting to have it for himself or deep dive into like how the game fucked up. Like it could be a lot of different things. We don't know yet, but I'm going to be curious to see. Um, Two quick thing, or one quick thing that happened before I go to the main topic. Um, this morning, I was uh, at a doctor's appointment and I watched G4's uh, online. They they released a lot of videos today, as we know. G4 is coming back this summer, and they also officially announced the three shows that are definitely happening on G4. There's a esports show, uh, and they announced that their two main hosts are uh, Overly May and Frost Gurren, who are um, esports players, especially with League. Um, and they also announced, of course, Xavier Woods, who's a WWE superstar. Uh, we know he's going to be involved in some capacity for his own show. We don't know exactly what that is yet. And then finally, both X-Play and Attack of the Show are coming back with their original lead hosts, uh, male hosts, I should say. So Adam Sessler is doing X-Play full-time, and Kevin Pereira is doing Attack of the Show full-time. They're both going to be returning. Um, they did discuss the format. It's going to be mostly like you know a review show. With some, you know, interviews of developers and under in other people in the industry, um, they haven't gone into what Attack of the Show is just yet. But just the fact that we now have a kind of a, a solid base of what G4 is going to start to become, I'm my hype is back up. Especially now that I know it, two of the four original main players um, are coming back, and Sessler and Pereira. Like that, that already has me 100% sold. Uh, on this new concept because you're bringing back the nostalgia of these original hosts but then you're doing something new of course with the esports side uh where you're you know you have these two casters uh who are hosting that particular show talking about what's going on in esports and possibly you know doing some casting of specific events or any kind of commentary so i think this is a great win overall uh for g4 and this is a good first start so like here's bro. the thing i see it yeah. right this is the way i, I see don't know it. about g4 um, bro <laughs> Here's the thing, I, I loved G4 growing up. Like, I remember when I was, um, like, like 10 years old or whatever it may be, uh, before, like, we had high-speed internet, I was still working with that AOL shit and whatnot. Um, 
And like I, I was going through the channels, so I was like, yo, what's channel 151? There's a gamer network? And that shit blew my mind. The stuff that they did on G4 was like YouTube before it was YouTube. Like they put money, they put time. It was funny. It was fun. I loved the cast and everything like that. So like in terms of like the cast and what they're doing, it seems like uh, they're trying their best, uh, you know? <laughs> um, what, what it feels like is that they're trying to prey on nostalgia, bringing back Sessler and um, and and all them. But I mean, Sessler there, has been doing things since G Four, and he's still yeah, very much yes. active. Oh, and yeah, I do yeah, still no, care I, well, about my, him. my my point is right is that there is a reason why G Four does not work. Okay, and it's because YouTube exists. No, no, no. You you know what the like, real reason is? It's going to be a hot take. It's going to be a hot take. Y'all ready I don't for think it is, but... I, I don't think it's going to be a hot take. I'm ready for this. You said it three times, so yeah. <laughs> Only fucking boomers watch live TV. That's why it's going to fail. Yo, but here's the thing. GeForce coming back on YouTube as a YouTube channel. And Twitch. It's not going like, to be on TV. And Twitch. Yeah. They're going to live stream it on Twitch, like their pre-recorded episode or whatever. Uh, and then people can chat and whatnot live, and then it's going to be uploaded onto YouTube. Uh, that's that's what I believe is what they're doing. So I imagine could have YouTube they were channel like bringing with... back the TV channel, and that was the whole big meme. Well, no, they're they bringing, back, bringing the, back the they're TV bringing back channel. the talent, they're bringing back the shows, um, but they're doing it in a different format. So, like the main thing that I'm saying is that we care about G4 from a nostalgic point of view. But even but they can't survive off nostalgia alone. Can they also grasp the attention of the newer generation who didn't grow up with G4 uh, in such a highly competitive environment? And that's the cool thing. It, it feels like they're trying to create a, a TV network on YouTube. And depending on how they go about it, it might succeed. It might succeed. Well, I mean, okay, I'm, so there's already TV show networks yeah, on YouTube. Yeah, well, yeah, that already exists. It's not that they're I mean, trying to in, in regards new. to like this, you know what I mean? Um, okay, so they, if they, that's what they're doing. This could probably work then. But like, yeah. if it, bro, if that if that shit was gonna be on television, that would have failed. No, like, no, 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 no. It, it would have <clears> lasted for a year, and they would have been gone. Right. Like, there's no way it lasts on television. No, I don't think, I don't think uh, this no is meant for, No, this is not meant for the TV age, because the TV age is pretty much dying out outside of, like, a core set of networks that are always going to be on TV because of, a, you know, they make a lot of money with the advertising, um, like, for you know, for sports networks primarily or any kind of, like, other, you know, the big networks like ABC or whatnot. I think G4 realizes that, while it was niche to have that network, you know, try to play content all the time, eventually you need something kind of new and refreshing, which is why, you know, they had to rely so much on those reruns at the end of the day to keep the money afloat for their original content, which wasn't really sustaining itself after a certain period of time, especially for something you had to do daily, uh, or at least Monday through Friday. So <clears throat> with that, you know, moving it over to this new wave of YouTube and new wave of Twitch and doing it that way. So that way you can kind of do it at your own pace. Like, oh, G4 is doing something today with esports. Oh, tomorrow's going to be an X play episode. Okay, cool. Here's an AOTS episode. And you can do it, you know, not as often, but then still, you know, make it dense as possible with content. And then from there, you can also spotlight other content creators. You can spotlight other things that are going on in the industry you can live stream events from the g4 network or something along those lines like you can start getting those rights um 
so that's how I think this is this new version is going to work out. Like for example, G4 was the one channel that I watched with E3 coverage. So if they start going like if E3 comes back fully and they're able to go to it and report on it, that's the coverage I would, you know, watch to say, "Oh, okay, what's G4 doing at E3 because they've always had a stage, they've always had interviews, they've always had like no nonsense yeah, you know, e- frills e- I- with I'm their sorry, content. bro. E3's not coming back. Like e- E3's dead, bro. Well, they yeah, I mean, that's look, just Dead, dead, dead. Like, we can we, touch we on how they're trying to do it. We literally don't need it anymore. It's dead, dude. There's there's no way it comes back. Okay, so like, pause, if, pause. It, if it if it does, it's going to just be like an online show. It won't be the it will never, ever, ever, ever be the the thing that we grew up with. It'll never be that yeah, ever again. So like it, it will never be the thing we grew up with, right? Yeah. But it might be. It might be the next big convention. Like, uh, like when you think but of like see, video game the, conventions, the you thing, think of like, like PAX and things like that. E three has some weight behind it. Imagine a PAX, but with even bigger, uh, a bigger budget uh, announcements and shit like that, and a bigger budget. Uh, Post pandemic, of course, like this year, um, it's either like E A E three goes under this year, and this shit just does not work out, or B, um, they kind of re um invent themselves as like a giant video game convention similar to comic-con i would a hundred percent go to e3 new york where they have like you know the different um game demos and vendors and shit like that like the convention communities is is huge and if they kind of tried to cut off their uh piece in that market they might be able to survive but you're you are right e3 as we know it won't come back e3 as we know it won't come back but you're on to something i think if e3 because what you can do is you don't have to have that super one time of the year in June where everybody has to rush to bring product to the show floor or bring announcements or anything else like that for stuff that we have to wait like 600 years for, cyberpunk. You don't have to do that anymore. You don't have to try to rush out announcements. Um, you can space it out. Like if you had – like we have San Diego Comic-Con in New York. If you had E3 San Diego and E3 New York, you can you can take those convention centers – but we have and that. It's packs. We already have that. No, no, no. See, packs no, no, no. East and West. No, 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 no. Shit. Not. No, no. They're for gamers. How is it not the same? They're they're for gamers, but they're not for the industry. You still need something that's more for the industry, which is what San Diego and New York have always been. They've always been an industry-based convention that the fans can participate in with the panels, the show floor, the cosplay. Uh, everything bro, else bro, like that. Look, look, E3 has never had e- that, and PAX look is at the what opposite. Look, E3 of that. has been for the past fifteen fucking years. Mm-hmm. It's been that. It's been you, they, the the fucking developers come, they show their wares, and they fuck off. That's exactly what happens at PAX. So I don't understand what the difference is. Well, I think just the thing, it, it's 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 just it's the same shit. I feel <laughs> no 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 no. But the thing is, I feel that PAX is very like PAX does that. But to me, the way I've always seen PAX is it's always been more kind of casting a wider net. Fun? Yeah, I mean, obviously <laughs> yeah. fun. Obviously. Like, but that's, it casts that's a wider what it really net. Is. It, 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 it just seems like it's a better convention. It seems like E3 sucks now mm. and that PAX is the better gaming convention. Well, like, that's all always, it seems yeah. like. No, no, no. <laughs> You're not wrong about that. But I think what E3 needs to do to kind of change themselves up in a way um, – it, what they would need to do is, like I said, they have to adopt the model of like a PAX or like a New York Comic Con, kind of mesh those two ideologies where New York, you know, New- Comic Cons are always going to be 
very industry standard with those panels that people get excited about and a huge show floor. And PAX has always been that, you know, the the gamers convention, if you will. You go ahead, you play with, you know, you have fun, play games. You can see more niche indie titles or some, you know, double A tier publishers. I think Gearbox has done a, a PAX before, stuff like that. So, yes, you can E3 can try to change themselves to kind of be a meld of those two. You can gain a bigger space out, you know, you can gain other spaces outside of just the Los Angeles Convention Center. You can do more than just only gameplay demos and booths. Um, Bro, you can have interactivity. It's too late because, like, think about it this way, right? E3 was one of those things that was already in a decline before the pandemic happened. Now we can't have conventions in general, so this is under control. It's it's over. Yeah, I don't think E3 is coming back. I don't think it needs to come back. I think, you know, Sony and Nintendo already kind of know what's up. They're just doing their product showcases online now. You reach a bigger audience that way. They know people are looking at them. Before, you had to go to E3 because that's where the games journalists got their news from. Mm-hmm. Before the internet was like this big thing that everybody had, we get we went to magazines. So E3 was necessary then. They had to go and actually get the news. Now the the company just posted on the internet for everyone to see. So I think E3 is just unnecessary now. Like we just yeah, we don't need we've it. grown past it. Like like you know how we grew past feudalism as a as a human race. <laughs> it's more you know like I mean? how we're, we're gonna move we're past, past E3, physical dude. games and Marcus is gonna suffer because he loves physical games. Yeah, exactly. Like Fair. I, I know okay. eventually that happen. I'm going to be the boomer in the situation. I know that's He's eventually going to happen. I get what you. I get. I get what you guys are saying, but I feel like, again, the convention space itself has been evolving, and I understand that that is going to be the case. Um, where you have conventions for a lot of different things, whether it be for you know horror movies like we have here locally, where or like the New York and Comic Con, like the New York and San Diego Comic Cons, which are like the big mega cons for like, you know, DC, Marvel, etc. Um, and then for me, lo- one local convention that I go to all the time is PAX Unplugged, which was all about tabletop and actual physical media, which was so much fun to be a part of um, 100%. Um, so I hope that I feel like the games industry still needs that kind of like in the trenches event in some way, shape, or form. While yes, we've been we've been accustomed to the uh, digital space with last year with the Summer Games Fest and all the stuff that was done online, uh, state of plays and whatnot. I get it, but I still feel like gaming should still have some sort of camaraderie or video games. Let me let me do that. Video games still needs camaraderie. And yes, playing with people at PAX, playing those indie games, playing multiplayer tournaments, etc. That's well and good, but I still feel like. The games industry still needs a test market of some sorts for a lot of their products. E3, while relatively sectioned off in a way, gave us that. It still felt like one of the things that I miss that I hope at least can still occur, demos. Like we need a way to be able to keep the video game industry in a way where we can still test out products before we can buy them, which was the norm before Pax know. has that i'm no, confused not for all games <laughs> no 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 no. it's very it's so you're, still you're telling me that every game that is shown at at, at e3 has mm-hmm. a demo for it a good, a good portion of a good portion of games do have demos so, then so you're making the same argument game. it's Pax. 
It's no, no, it's, what he's thing. saying is sometimes they are demos that you can only play if you go to the show. They're not demos that are online, so long as they literally bring development versions of games that aren't out yet. Aren't but aren't they, out they, yet for right. you to try. Exactly. Do they not do that at tax too? No, they, no. They do, not to, I thought they had some. Some, but yeah, not, they, not to the extent they, that E3 they have contains. Them. They, they do it. Like, like yeah, it's because PAX isn't as big as E3. E3's been around forever. PAX hasn't. Right. So like, that's it's what, just and time. That's, what, well, that, that's and all that, that is. And, but that's what I'm saying, though. Like, yes, you can have certain demos. Like I said, again, indie or smaller publishers, like smaller, well-known publishers, will bring demos to PAX. And I'm not doubting that. I'm not going to, you know, di- you know, poo-poo on indie, indie-based demos that appear on the show floor because those are important too because indie games you know deserve the love to like hey check out this product i went to a convention um a few years ago in new york city where it was all indies everywhere and that was one of the best experiences i got to play a lot of cool things a lot of cool games that had a, a lot of very interesting ideas and just overall fun that con first introduced me to killer queen black which i which was an awesome experience 100 percent. so i love those kind of things but i feel like the tri- the AAA space d- won't have that anymore if there's no E3. So that so that's why I'm saying something like that needs to evolve to be more in the in you know grassroots or in the trenches for gamers. Keeping that stuff online, especially for bigger budget games, games that we're not going to be able to see in person in some way or see before a release date. We're going off of you know blind eyes for the most part. We're going off of just strictly YouTube videos. And again, punch back to the punching bag. Cyberpunk did that for so long, and it, you know, obviously, it fucked over a lot of different gamers who either didn't or take advantage, take advantage of the refunds, and fucked over a whole entire company. That's what I'm saying. I think that E3 has the chance to evolve in some way, shape, or form. But going only digital, that's not the way it needs to go. There still needs to be a a true, you know, big industry event that's in the trenches. PAX can be that kind of idea for you. I understand that, and that's very true. But there has to be something for the games that are on the upper echelon tier. We don't have that yet outside of maybe a game or two that show up at New York Comic Con when Kent, when uh, AJ and I first saw Resident Evil 2 Remake and we saw Devil May Cry 5 that year's Comic Con. That's fine and dandy, but we still need, ga- like, and that's cool for Capcom, but we need something bigger than that. And we don't have that for, you know, top tier gaming right now. E3 was supposed to be that show. And if it's dying out in a way that's good, because yes, as you said, it got stale. But it sucks because there's then there's no big hook for the gaming industry. And I know Jeff Keighley was trying did that See, last man, year. See, man, I just, I just completely disagree. Mm-hmm. I completely disagree. I, I, I just, that it's, again, Ed, I just think you're old, bro. Like, I'm sorry. But like... E3 is literally just a Damn. relic of the past. I, I'm sorry. No, no, no. We, we don't need it anymore. The E3 we, in this the, current... The, the way the information is disseminated now uh, makes E3 obsolete. It makes it obsolete. We don't need it anymore. We haven't needed it for quite some time. I'm okay. honestly surprised it took this long for it to die. I guess. Like, so here's what I'll say. I, I, feel, I felt like when Nintendo left, I thought that was like it was almost over. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you know what I right, mean? When Nintendo right, left right. the first time. I was and like, oh, so E3 like, is going to die in two years. Like, that, that's what I thought. And then it didn't. And I was surprised. Because <laughs> I was like, so, so like, Sony realizes that they can also do this, too. Because they also have fuck you money. And 
Microsoft also has fuck you money. Why are they paying someone else to rent out a space where they can just literally put it online with all the product they can put behind it with no middleman fee? So you, like, so you're right, telling, so, so you're, so, so real quick, real quick, AJ, make your point. I, 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 I feel one. like, I, I feel like there are two different points going on. Do we need E3? Absolutely fucking not. We do not need E3 in this current day and age. Mm-hmm. But is there a way for E3 to survive and be profitable? Yes. Will they be as no, profitable as they used already, to be? There's already yes. people no. doing exactly what they do better than them. And they have been for years. And, so and that, I, I that's, think it's too late and, for them. And, and, and wait, wait. And that, that's what I mean. You're saying like, yo, PAX is going to do what E3 is doing, but better. You're right. PAX, I think, is going to be blown up. And I don't think E3 is ever going to be as profitable as it used to be. Mm. But if they pivot, they can still survive in some way, shape, or form. Right. That's all I'm saying. And, you, and hold on. Let me, let me, let me make this last point. And then I'll, I'll uh, Seth, if you have anything you want to add, and then we'll move on. You're telling me that you wouldn't want to have a, a E3 in some smaller capacity. Again, even if it's a travel show throughout the year where you can do like, you know, big game announcements. Oh, come to E3. We're, we're going to save up. And if we don't do have it ready in time for like a San Diego, let's get it ready in time for a New York. You telling me you wouldn't want to be in a convention hall. Again, using the example for you know, AJ and I for New York Comic Con. Think of the excitement that people go through for just 15 seconds of a spoiler of a TV show that they really like or a scene from a movie that's going to be amazing. I remember see, going again. All, there, there's a lot of places that already do what, what they're trying to like. They tried to they tried to reinvigorate themselves. Mm-hmm. It didn't work that well. And then they lost their main host man, Jeff Keighley. And then everyone else was kind of like what once once other the only reason why E3 exists is because there's a gaming commission. The gaming commission is what runs the e, is, is what runs E3. The gaming commission doesn't need to make money because the gaming commission just lobbies for video games. Mm-hmm. It's this is essentially what E3 was mm-hmm. is a way to like lobby for video games to government or any broker, you know what I, or any person that has money, any investor. Right. Okay. You know what I mean? Mm. That's what E3 was made for. It wasn't made for fans to be there. Like that's that's not what that's for. But I think but this since is the, we don't need that anymore. The news. Yeah, it was it yeah, exactly, it was for news. But since we can get news differently now, mm-hmm. other things that were already fan-oriented like packs, like shit like fucking there's games at fucking Katsucon. Like there's shit everywhere now for okay. video games. Video gaming is not just that one thing anymore. But I think you're it's mi- so much bigger than E3. Well, hold on. There are multiple mm-hmm. video game conventions per year that have nothing to do with E3, mm-hmm. and they all promote video gaming. And there are developers there showing games off. You're like so. Hold on. Let me, I'm going to give you a partial credit for that. You are absolutely right. I will admit that yes, there are a lot of different conventions that talk about and show off video games in some way, shape, or form, or create a gaming community. But what I miss, and what I think E3 can still tap into uh, post-pandemic right now, is that there aren't a lot of spaces. Like, you're telling me that, let's say, here, I'll give you an example for uh, for something. During, when, I remember the, my last, of course, the last E3, E3 2019, when that crowd in that Sony theater, whatever theater they were in, um, at the Square Enix convention, when they were showing off Final Fantasy VII Remake, and that crowd was hyped, and they you know, they got to see the gameplay for the first time. They were really, really excited. The developers were on stage showing it off. The, fa- the crowd is what I miss about E3. 
I love. Yes, but I Sony do. can on, wait, do wait, that wait. without without E3. Well, no, no, no. but like, can you they do don't that? Need but E3 like the movie theater happen. thing we went to uh, about two years ago. Right, exactly. Where I want that experience, like that's the experience that we're missing right now. And I understand, you know, right now we're in a in the pandemic world where we're getting our information online, so we're excited from our own homes, or we're watching streamers get excited and we're chatting away with them um, in their chat rooms, whoever we're watching at that moment in time. Fine. Well, let's be real. Let's be real. Have you ever gone to E3, Ed? No, I have not. All right. Have any? Have you guys ever gone to E3? Nope. Never felt the need to. All right. Honestly. So let's I've never had the opportunity, E3. but I've always wanted to. Exactly. But, uh, I'd, ra- I'd, I'd honestly rather go to, PAX. go to E3. <laughs> Wait, Seth, what you I, said? No, it's the, that's the thing, bro. I'd rather go to PAX. No, PAX but the point, is, the point is, if E3 goes away and we can still get all the same information on the internet, nothing changes for us or you at home listening. Nothing's going to change for you. You're still going to get all the same announcements. It's just going to come from the internet instead, which you already get your news on. If you're watching us, I know you know the internet. You obviously found us somehow, despite all the odds <laughs> and algorithms. <laughs> we definitely don't that. fit into the algorithm. We you know definitely don't fit into the algorithm. New Zelda game in 2021. You know how to Google that. And if there's E3 news for it, you'll find it. Yeah, dude, that's what I'm saying. Like, we don't need E3. E3 was made for news, and we don't need it for news anymore. We have other things that can replace it. It's okay for it to be dead. It's fine. It had its time. Now the gaming commission can go back to what they should be doing in the first place unionizing game devs <laughs> that's what they should be doing instead of worrying about e fucking three <laughs> that's a whole i know that's a whole other can of worms that for some reason the esa does not want to open which is kind of which is very very sad as we've seen over the last couple of years with uh you know bigger asshole companies and i understand that but again as uh and i'll move on after this as rusty angel point out the chat Yes, E3 had its issues, but the pro- the thing with that and with any convention in general is that it's a communal experience. And while I get communal experiences at PAX, again, playing a lot of different games with friends or seeing games on the show floor. Again, with Comic-Con, seeing games on the show floor, just interacting with people in their booths. I personally feel, and I will keep saying this, for sh- I will always say this, I feel that there's still, ha- I think that the gaming industry as a whole Again, with bigger titles, with the bigger companies, you can do all the online press conferences you want and you can, you know, live stream and save yourself money. Fine. uh, Granted. okay, you know, do whatever you want with that. But the fact that I never got the chance to be a part of a community of, you know, five to ten thousand people, depending on what theater they were packing to be able to see a trailer live, to be able to see uh phil spencer or something along those lines go on stage and say check out this amazing ass thing we got for you here on stage we have a a guest or anything else like that even the kiana reeves experience that happened during the xbox press conference for cyberpunk like that was a moment in itself that if you were there live you're a part of something spectacular and if e3 goes away it's sad i understand Uh, excuse me breathtaking it Thank Wait, you for changing the word. I know you're a wrestling boy, right? Yeah. Okay, so what if they just did E3 like they do the WWE right now? 
I know you've seen it, and I don't like the WWE, but I got to give them credit for how creative their solution was to not have So, uh, yes, okay, I, I know where you're coming from with the whole Thunderdome aspect, and that that's give, give some context to the listeners sure, sure. they might not have so seen for those who are for so for those non-wrestling fans who are listening to it wwe in november i want to say or sometime around that uh, around october november no actually no it was the summer it was around august actually uh because their first big pay-per-view that they set this up for was SummerSlam. they created something called the wwe thunderdome and basically they rented out a space uh for example they rented out the basketball arena in orlando florida and they customized it so that way it looked like a whole ass arena, like they normally do their shows. But around the hard cam side of the arena, the, the part that the camera is facing, the straight cam, is a bunch of LED bo- screens with, with where fans can sign up and their face would be on screen, like a Microsoft Teams or a Google, like a Zoom call. And they're on screen the entire time. That is creative. Um, WWE, you know, was one of the first to do that. The NBA did it after the fact. Um, there were a couple other arenas, uh, sports that tried to do something like that. It's a great idea, and I see where you're coming from. But I'm also going to still say no. I don't think the gaming industry would benefit from having that kind of setup. While it feels like you're watching a crowd. Um, there's just something that I miss about just having people in an arena and talking about it. Is it a is it a temporary solution? Yeah. No, nah, it's just dead. That's just just dead, bro. Ayo, ayo, Ed. I miss dead being me, outside dude. with people too. Yeah. I miss crowded outside. conventions. I miss going to crowded movie theaters. Like I, I, I miss all of that very, very much. Exactly. And like I'm getting tired of this shit. But like the thing that we have to remember, and I hate to say it, mm-hmm. um, E3 wasn't the only one making those type of experiences. Mm-hmm. Even, but they were the biggest in the gamescape. I feel like I'm very passionate like you about E3 coming back. It's like, yo, man, I love conventions. I love the energy of the crowd. I love hearing the announcements. Like at the last San Diego Comic-Con, I was literally front stage and center for um, all the Marvel announcements. Like I was there when they announced WandaVision shit. Yeah. Uh, and I was also there in uh, Comic-Con 2010 when they announced the new playable characters uh, for Marvel vs. Capcom 3, at the time, I think they announced, uh, I think it was like Spencer and Modoc, And I saw that live, in person, and the energy was incredibly hype. But the thing is, in that entire room, there was like 400 people? 500? Mm-hmm. But like, a thousand people saw that on uh, YouTube Live or whatever at the time. Or they found that within minutes. Right. So the question isn't that, um, obviously... Um, there need to be video game conventions. There need to be those type of huge experiences. And I don't think that every single announcement that gets made post E3 is going to be like an online drop. Like even a couple of years ago, we went to that PlayStation event and we went to a movie theater. Uh, I think it was like you, me, Marcus, and, and, and that, that Seth. That was a cool way to do it. Yeah, I think and that, that, that was a too. really cool way to do it. Yeah. Um, Uh, So I'm not saying, like, they won't make huge video game announcements at Comic-Con, and I won't say that there won't be other huge video game conventions exclusively, but E3 specifically, will they survive? That's the question. 
And if they do and survive, the it will be something no. completely the different. The answer is no. <laughs> the answer is uh, no, buddy. Like, I, I don't know. I just don't, I just, I feel like, I don't see it. Mm, I feel like E3 is like, how much money did E3 make? How much money does E3 make? Let me see. Well, considering that the ESA, I think they were asking like big game publishers, they were trying to do an online virtual experience of some way, shape, or form, and they were asking for like yeah, six figures yeah. to be a part of it. Six figure buy in, baby. Yeah, six figure buy in to like get you know your marketing out there to get your your real estate. Six figures for a fucking exposure. You never you like never, literally listen. six six figures for exposure, bro. I can't. We make fun of local fucking venues for doing this shit. I don't understand. <laughs> no, no, no. Listen, that's fucking stupid. I'm I'm not going to disagree on that. Like, it is pretty silly to try to charge six figures for an online experience. We can just do it from home. I get it. But yeah, like, yeah, like, like bro, AJ said. But yeah, Maybe. again, like AJ said, and I'll end it on this. There has to be a space. And again, I agree that there was the whole like, oh, it was, you know, announced at Comic-Con. But we found out like. A half hour later, after the panel was over, it was our, the news was spreading on, online because, of course, some gaming journalists are going to attend those panels. Fine, great, well and dandy. But I think the feeling in that moment is kind of like, wow, I was there. Like, I was the first person to know about Spencer Modoc. I was the first, like, for, uh, to use a gaming example for me, I was the first person who saw the first, ep- the initial opening movie. For Devil May Cry 5 before it came out to the public. I was there for the in- entire first episode of Marvel's The Runaways. I was able to see the whole episode in its entirety. Yo, that was Comic-Con. great. And like those moments, again, regardless of how you feel about the internet spreading that information as soon as it happens, I get it. But your eyes, your ears, your, your five senses being in that arena at that moment with a crowd you can't get that off of being, you know, you can't get that experience off of only being on the internet because somebody else is going to have that information before you regardless. And if you're on the internet and you're finding out about that information. Somebody knew before you. That's what a gaming yeah, convention no, I'm, does. I'm not, dude, I'm not talking about like, I'm not talking about not having gaming conventions at all. I'm talking about like the, the pure fact of that gaming conventions for news, mm-hmm. like that's, that shouldn't... That's what the focal point of G of E G four Jesus Christ, uh, the focal point of E three was. It was news. Gaming journalists went there it's mm-hmm. for the news. Right. It's for ga- journalists, insiders, mm-hmm. and shit like that. That's it, it's not for community stuff. That's not what it was for. They tried to make it that, and they tried to do the thing when they started inviting people, they, but like trying to stay relevant. And it's, yeah, it's, they were like, just trying to stay uh-huh. relevant. They weren't trying to actually be fan centered. <laughs> they, they just needed more money. <laughs> internet. And that shit is expensive to run, to be honest with you. Like, mm-hmm. yo, it is hella expensive to rent out that convention center. Like, they probably don't make any money off E3, especially after Sony and Nintendo decided to do their own things. Like, Sony and Nintendo are two of the video game giants. Microsoft still does it, but Microsoft has so much money. They don't give a fuck. They need the exposure. They're like, yeah, we'll go. We'll go to the E3. Why not? Or is going to put everything on YouTube and do our own thing anyway. We might as well. Sony and Nintendo are like, we're big enough. We're just going to do our own thing. People look up Nintendo news. Like, have you ever met a Smash fan? Tell me they don't. <laughs> every oh, single- yeah. 
Tanuki that there's a Mario Tanuki suit DLC, bro? Did you see that? <laughs> hey, yo, yo, Seth, Seth, I need you to stop. Uh, you know, Nintendo <laughs> bro, just doesn't yo, yo, do cosmetic DLC. They do DLC of quality if they don't just give you the full package out the gate. Bro, you gotta stop fucking... They sound like adding Ken, bro. Stop adding Ken right now, bro. You're making him upset. Oh my but God. it's true. You know people be seeking that news out. Same thing with Sony. It's like, bro, did you see that there was a new fucking trailer for God of War 2? Bro, bro, I need that game. I need it right now. Or they'll be like, oh my God, did you see the explosive fucking I love this. Oh my God, I need it. I need it right now. Like, that news is out there. They be posting it. They do their own directs, and they we don't need E3 anymore for that reason. The, the two big companies left before the pandemic, that shit was dead in my eye. <laughs> That's what I'm saying, bro. Like when, when, you, when Nintendo left, bro, I thought it was over. When Nintendo left, I thought it was over. I was like, oh, E3's dead next year. Like Sony's not going to go back ever again. And then they did, and I was surprised. It's the pandemic. It's just you know, with all the companies leaving. Yeah. How the hecky, are they going to stay afloat? Like they they need people to show up and not just like people. It first off, it's not even public. Like you have to be invited to go to E3. And then second from that, with all the big people leaving, nobody cares. <laughs> like people care, like get games websites are still sending journalists to go to E3 that you just don't like. I'm sorry. You just repost that news a day after. <laughs> or an hour after it breaks. Basically, they I just want that. to break the story. Right. That's all they want to do is break the story. Right. And like I said, we'll see what happens. I like I'm, I'm curious to see what's going to happen with E3. I know we uh, we spun off from a different conversation, but this is awesome. I love it. Like, I think this is a very, very important topic that, you know, we need to definitely keep an eye on as we go into the summer with either Jeff Keighley's Games Fest or if E3 wants to do something uh, in some way, shape or form that kind of reflects what the old days used to be. This summer is going to be very, very interesting for both of those things, and uh, we'll definitely see what happens next and let you know for sure. Um, but the last thing I wanted to touch on, uh, which is one of the um, centerpieces of the uh, of some of the things we're going on with the show, is the fact that there's so much going on with video game movies. And I'm actually curious and scared at the same time for a lot of these movies. Um, so we pretty much know three things this week that happened with video game movies. The first was the fact that Sonic the Hedgehog sequel is officially called Sonic the Hedgehog 2. No surprise there. Electric Bugaloo? Yeah, of course, yes. <laughs> and, of course, <laughs> we had the logo revealed with the, with the two shaped like tails, so we know Sonic and Tails are going to be a bigger focus on this whole um, entire movie. Um, so I'm curious to see what that's going to look like. Um, the Last of Us got their Joel and Ellie um, which I'm curious about, which I'm very, you know, excited about at least, because I know the actors are big. I only know um, Pedro Pascal, who's playing Joel. I know him from The Mandalorian. I don't know enough about Bella Ramsey. I know she came from Game of Thrones, but I didn't see Game of Thrones, so I don't know enough about her, uh, one way, shape, or form. Uh, she was also in a. She, mm -hmm. she was also in um uh, uh uh His Dark Materials. Great show. Great show. Stage HBO show the uh it's 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 uh mm -hmm. I've not seen it yeah I've not seen it. I heard about that uh, show being really good so definitely like I'm glad that the actors right now that they picked for the last of you Us know TV very show, much like a killer right <laughs> <laughs> so I love that the actors that they picked are actually positive getting a lot of positive reception 
So that's at least a good sign for this Last of Us TV show, whatever they're deciding to do on HBO, whatever story they're going to tell. At least the actors are good choices. And, you know, I think I'm going to like that. Uh, back to the movie that I'm scared about, and it's the Borderlands movie. So this week, they announced two new roles for Borderlands. They announced uh, uh, Dr. Tannis, who's the main archaeologist in the game, uh, is going to be played by Jamie Lee Curtis. And that, I'm like, okay, that's not bad. Like, I, I think she fits. I've played every Borderlands game, mm-hmm. and I can say I can see her fitting that character. 100%. I agree with that. Now, the next one is going to be very... Is, uh, Questionable. It's the one for me, baby. Jack Black is signed on to the movie. And you're like, okay, Jack Black, cool. What is he going to do? He's going to be the voice of Claptrap. And I'm like, it's my father. That's going to be. You have my attention. (laughs) That's so weird. Dad, bro. My fucking dad. Kung Fu Panda. (laughs) Oh, my God. Bro, I fucking. I, 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 I. I don't know. Like, I don't know how I feel about this choice. (laughs) You have my curiosity, curiosity, but now you have my attention. Yeah. Like, like, first of all, Jamie Lee Curtis, hot mom, hot mom vibes for sure. I'm with that. And then my father's in the movie. Dude, I got to see it now. I got to see it. So now I got to see it. (laughs) I'm going to watch the movie just for morbid curiosity, especially with, you know, we already know Kate Blanchett is playing uh, Lilith. And we know that uh, Roland is being played by uh, Kevin Hart. Uh, so now we have this this cast of four, and we don't know who the other heroes are going to be played by. Eli Roth as the director. I, I, I'm I'm very hesitant because again, just like what with what Seth said, I love the Borderlands franchise so much. Like I love their games. I still have, I'm playing through three, um, and I know there's a lot of content for three that I need to catch up on. Um, but the roles, I'm still curious to see what they're going to do. Like, is it, is it a parody movie? Is it a movie that's going to be straight up what the, you know, the game story was? Is it a new, it's so weird. Like just the whole movie, like the last of us TV show, I get it. You're trying to tell a new story with this like new medium of, you know, doing episodic and it's going to be awesome. Kind of like what the Witcher did or the Sonic movie. We know it had a reliable first movie that was, you know relatively you know a straightforward plot but at least it did it really well and we trusted sega after they fixed the design and the movie came out and everybody loved it great cool the borderlands movie is very very sus for me like everything about it just feels so sus and i don't know what to think just yet i don't know okay so it's gonna go one one or two ways oh go ahead yeah they're either going to absolutely nail this movie and the comedy in this movie and it's going to be really good or, or it's going to be bad. This, it's going to be a hot fucking flop, bro. It's, is it going to be a Yui Bowl film? Be, I don't know. It's dude. not going to be it's, that bad. It's like this could either be it could really either be like Sonic or Doom, bro. It could be one or the other because the Sonic movie was really good. I enjoyed it. I saw it in theaters, I think, with Ken before the pandemic, and I really enjoyed that movie. So and, it, and I didn't go in with high expectations for Sonic. That That's the thing that really got me is I did not have any expectations. It ended up really, really enjoying it. So looking at Borderlands, I played every Borderlands game except pre-sequel. 
I, and, and the Tales of the Borderlands. And I don't think Borderlands has ever been, and some people could argue this with me and say, like, Tales from the Borderlands has good writing, and I've heard people say that um, uh, pre-sequel has good writing, but the writing in Borderlands is just okay. You'll never convince me otherwise. I have taste, but I also like jokes, <laughs> okay? I yeah, jokes. Yes. And my favorite guy is the guy that goes, shoot me in the face. Please shoot me in the face. And he gives you a question, shoot him in the face. And then he yells, shoot me in the face. So you do it. I love it. I absolutely love it. Now, how do you make that funny and entertaining in the movie without making the entire movie poop jokes? Because half the joy I get out of Borderlands is finding a gun that shoots <laughs> rockets that spawn more rockets that spawn more rockets that explode like fireworks. I love it. It's a meme. And it's fun because it's a meme. How do we make that a fun movie? And I maybe the solution was add a little Jack Black, a little little Pepper Jack Black in there, if you know what I mean. Just put him in there, get him his claptrap. Claptrap runs around and says, ha ha, I'm funny, claptrap, fall on my face, but I got Jack Black's voice. That might make the movie good. Who did they cast as Roland, though, Kevin Hart? I don't know about that. Yeah, bro, literally, I, I was, I, I was going to say, dude, the entire movie is hinges, fucking hinges on Kevin Hart's performance. Yeah, cuz it, it's either going to be I have faith in everyone else to execute. I have no faith in that man to execute a role <laughs> that he's never heard of. Cuz I all. guarantee you he has never heard of Roland before ever before yeah, he got this movie. Yeah, he, he does not know who that is. He's never played Borderlands before in his life. Jamie Lee Curtis might have. Jack Black definitely has played that game. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the 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 the, the I'm, I'm, it makes me so sad to say it because I know he's gonna flop it. But the entire he movie depends on Kevin Hart, dude, and I know he's gonna be bad. <laughs> and I'm so that's a really bad predicament to be in when your whole movie depends on Kevin Hart. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I feel the <laughs> like, I feel the same way because like I think after a while for me, just like I'm just burned out on Kevin Hart comedy. Like it just always just kind of seems like the same thing over and over again. Like Jumanji you, and the bro, commercials. You want to know done. why? Why? You want because he's he he's from Philly, bro. You know that nigga. You don't like him. He's boring. <laughs> you know what I mean? You you literally know that motherfucker. He he be at the I fucking mean, yeah. shop down the fucking street, bro. Talking the same shit every day. That's who Kevin Hart is, and he talks like a fucking forty five year old old head. Like the the ones that think they were born in the fucking sixties, you know what I mean? That's what he talks like. <laughs> I get it. Well, and like, I understand it could that. Be good. It could also be bad. And at this point, so we I, can I, only I, speculate. I, I feel like we are missing an important part of this uh, puzzle. Mm -hmm. Like we're talking about the actors, uh, but like you know, actors can only you know be as great as their script. And director, you know mm -hmm. what I mean. That's what I was saying. How so, you make Borderlands good as a movie, right? Yeah, but like you know, the uh, the director has a vision, and as does the writer. So who's actually like making this movie? So I'm, you know I'm what I mean. Eli Roth is right the director. Now. I don't I don't know who the um specific uh writers or I actually anything don't else know specific. Who the are I just know that Eli Roth is a director. Yes. That's all I know so, right now. He's currently so the project. He did Cabin this. Fever, Inglorious Bastards, Grindhouse, and Hostel. Yeah, no, uh, Eli the Roth he's it, known for. Yeah, Eli Roth is going to make a good movie. I have no I have no uh I have That's no a weird movie for him to direct though. Yeah. No, Compared it's not because those... because bro, you have to understand that the the way that the way that uh, Borderlands is written, 
Mm-hmm. It's almost written, at least in the same humor style as Inglorious Bastards. I can see and that. You, I and you I have to admit that. that. And that's why I'm like, okay, maybe it'll be good. But then again, Kevin Hart's in this movie. You know what? I, like, you never know. <laughs> yeah, you never know. Well, well, keep in mind, he acted in Inglorious Bastards. That's still directed by Quentin Tarantino. That's true. Like, he oh, di- you know, yeah, directed uh, Cabin Fever, Death Wish. Um, Hostel. Knock, knock. Uh, yeah, hostile. Like he directed a lot of horror shit, actually. Yeah, he's a big horror that I'm director. Looking he's at not it. a like a dark I mean, humor Borderlands comedy. I does have some like really terrifying things. Like, okay, so to to not spoil, well, I guess I'm gonna spoil the first game. But like, if you if you didn't play Borderlands one, it's been X amount of years. You can't. Yeah, be okay, so at the end of Borderlands one, the whole point of the game is you're a, a treasure hunter trying to find the vault, or a vault hunter trying to find the vault on Pandora. So you do find the vault um but instead of it being filled with treasure it's literally a tentacle monster so like yep that could be pretty terrifying yeah and but the thing but the if problem they plan for this to be like a one-off movie or a series well the thing here i'm gonna i'm gonna wrap it up with this basically eli raw fine he's done a lot of good movies that people like especially in the horror space and i get the idea of turning the creatures of pandora a, you know, making them a little more terrifying to kind of understand the threat. But the thing is, it's a, also Borderlands is a slapstick slash dark humor comedy. And I don't I haven't seen any Eli Roth project outside of Inglorious Bastards, which, again, he wasn't the head of that dealt with comedy. So I think that's going to be the question mark that I'm that's going to be hovering over well, okay, the specific. So hey, OK, can, can I can I say one more thing real quick? Yeah, uh, we were talking about the director. But I just looked up who's writing the movie. Yeah, First I was going right to ask that. Yeah, like, and that that's the other thing, too. Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, let's see. The Gearbox CEO uh, is involved heavily in the movie. The writer uh, is this dude named uh, Craig Mazin. He did Scary Movie 3 and 4. Fair enough. He did the second Hangover. But he also did Chernobyl. You know, Chernobyl, okay. yeah, that Chernobyl, HBO yeah. show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he yeah, yeah. also did, uh, or he's doing The Last of Us. Okay, okay. It's so the same th- dude. <laughs> so there might be there might be something there. We we don't know. We we'll see. We'll see. Again, Borderlands is a specific type of humor and a specific type of style. Again, translated to a movie, I want to see how it turns out. You have a director that you know. Again, comedy is an unknown quantity. You have a writer that has a lot of good projects under his belt. You have a cast that has a lot of good names, but again, I want to see how to integrate into the roles themselves, and that's going to be the most interesting part. But we'll see. Again, with all these movies, I want to dive, of course, I'll dive into movies closer to their release dates. We'll probably talk, you know, revisit this topic for sure, uh, especially with a lot of the other movies that are going to be coming out uh, sometime this year as well, but we'll touch on those when we get there. Uh, Let's cut into our outro, so we're out for the week. Um, AJ, I will start with you. Where can we find you on the social medias? Okay, so you can find me on Instagram at PartyNerdAJ and Twitch at Ken with a K. Bam. Uh, Seth. You can find me on Twitter at WeAbooBooJones. Yeah, I, I didn't stutter there. That's actually the thing. <laughs> WeAbooBooJones. Check me out. And you can find me on Twitch at uh, twitch.tv slash BigSethGames. And I should be streaming more uh, soon.tm. Going through some stuff in life. Had to stop for a minute. I'm trying to collect my two brain cells and uh, rub them together. <laughs> so, but I'm working on it. I feel you, brother. I feel you, Marcus. 
Uh, you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and Twitch at I am underscore mini fridge. Uh, I am in the same boat as Seth, except I only have one brain cell and I'm trying to rip it in half to rub it together. Um, so he's got, uh, got this. Yeah, I'm I'm trying real hard, guys. I promise. Yeah. But I, I want to get back into, you know, just I, I want to instead of just playing video games all the time, I want to just talk to y'all about some dumb shit. Hell yeah, like, let's man. talk about stuff that's not video games, like life and how you know the the government should be working for us. You know what I mean? Damn, let's government. let's have some conversations. And then anime, you, I know you guys have been and talking anime, about yeah, anime. Yeah, I'm definitely gonna be talking about anime. If I, <laughs> War crimes, like, I'll be, I'll be genocide. Definitely, yeah, yeah, I'll definitely be watching like some Giguk on fucking on stream. You know what I mean? And talking about it. Hell yeah. Uh, you can find me at your boy Ed Games on the social medias. Uh, you can find us, of course, at Gameradelphia, uh, whether on Twitch or Instagram. Um, you can also check out some of our older shows. Uh, we have some on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Amazon Podcasts. Uh, just search Gameradelphia, and you'll be able to find some of our older episodes uh, on there for your listening pleasure. We are going to wrap this up. Uh, we will see you guys next week. Uh, take care, guys, and also happy Valentine's Day for those of you celebrating. Gamer Duffy is out. We'll pe- we'll see you later. Peace. Love you.